Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Ephrata podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. We started a series on generosity last week. Uh, we wanted to talk about it. This is a season of generosity. We got November, we got December, everyone's thinking about thankfulness. And, and one of the natural outgrowths uh, of being grateful is being generous. It is blessing people with what you have. God gives you uh, so that you can give in return. And last week we started talking about generosity. We took a look at your heart because heart is at the start of any kind of generosity that we choose to have. Last week we talked about we want to create excess to bless other people. Uh, Now, Often when generosity is thrown out, we think money exclusively. Well, it isn't always just money. It can be your time. I will say this. Jesus did talk about money a lot because it's the one that we are the most inclined to putting our trust into, our possessions. Somehow we put our trust in that. And I'm convinced, just my opinion, this is why he talked about it so much. So generosity, we want to continue on. We want to think about excess to bless. But today i got to talk about the enemies of generosity. Now, um, you make a lot of gaffes when you start in ministry. When I started as a youth pastor, one of those gaffes was uh, when I was serving at Greaterford Bible Fellowship Church, we did something called the 30-hour famine. Anyone heard of the 30-hour famine? few people, okay. 30-hour famine uh, was put on by World Vision, and you're supposed to get your youth group to basically not eat for 30 hours so they could see what it felt like to be in poverty or famine conditions, and it was used as a little bit of a fundraiser for World Vision. So I took my youth group through it. I had actually taken a youth group here in Ephrata when I was over at Ephrata Bible Fellowship through the 30-hour famine. I remember because the morning it started, Friday morning, I met a whole bunch of students at the pancake farm 20-some years ago, loaded up on pancakes so that I could survive 30 hours with them. Now, that was cheating. But my church at Greaterford, we did the exact same thing. And so we started this, and uh, it seemed great. We made it through the 30 hours. The kids really did well. You play games. You talk about poverty. You talk about how we can provide for needs. At the end of it, I decided to have a little celebration. So I did what any, you know, smart, intelligent youth pastor would do, and I took them to Golden Corral after not eating for 30 hours. And teenagers, I don't know if you've noticed this, they sometimes have a problem with, you know, just balance. Uh, Sometimes they go a little bit too um, uh, passionately into things, and they did. Uh, 30-hour family, we go to Golden Corral, and I had kids, you know, loading up the chocolate fountain on bacon and everything else that they can, and the cheese fountain and all this, and uh, they take it back, and they're eating as much as they can because they'd gone 30 hours without eating food, and, and lo and behold, it was shocking to me. The next day when I went to church that half of my youth group was missing. <laughs> Surprise! A whole bunch of them got sick, okay? They ate too much after not eating too much. They overcompensated for what they had missed out on for 30 hours. And, of course, if a teenager goes an hour without eating, you know they're starving to death. Um, So uh, it wasn't a wise choice. I learned through it, and I never did that again. Uh, But I thought about this this past week. They overcompensated for what they had missed out on. And their way of overcompensating was just loading up on food. 
This is one of those things that we all do. So you get two hours sleep, let's say, tonight. Most of us will think, well, that's fine. I'm just going to go to bed extra early the next day and sleep a little later and rebound, and I'm going to regain all that sleep. Well, the reality is, is you can't regain it. You can't. You can rest for the tiredness in your body, but you can't uh, make up for lost sleep. Sometimes we try to overcompensate. Uh, today, I want to talk about this concept a little bit further because I think we, uh, we tend to overindulge uh, and, and when we have a, a, maybe a lack of money or possessions or time on our hand, we can overindulge, we can overcompensate, and it distracts us from being generous. It can distract us from being generous. This past uh, month, I stumbled across a book called Scarcity Brain. Uh, it is uh, by a psychologist, a scientist, and he looked into this concept of a scarcity brain that we sometimes wrestle with. If you don't know what that means, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but one thing that he pointed out in this book is that in the average American home, if you were to count everything in our home from uh, toothbrushes all the way up to cars, the average American home has anywhere between 10 to 40,000 items in your home. 10,000 to 40,000 items in your home. That's how much you have. Now, what makes this shocking is that back in the early 1900s, families may have had about 1,000 things in their homes. Think about all the books on your shelf. Each of those count as one, not one whole library. We've gone from, in about 90 to 100 years, 1,000 items in our home to 10 to 40,000 items in our home. And we obviously blame Amazon for that. So, uh, you know, and I'll talk about them later too. I'm getting ahead of myself today. So uh, anyway, we have an abundance of things. Yet here's the thing. He, he went on and he talked about this in this book. He said, uh, also, we throw out a third of our food in America. We throw out a third of it into the trash. And yet we have a 40% obesity rate. We take in more information in a day than what they did 700 years ago. We take in as much information in a day as people 700 years ago took in in a lifetime, in a lifetime. We have a lot, and we consume a lot. We overindulge a lot because of this thing that we'll talk about a little bit later called scarcity in our brain. We can overindulge. Now, at the heart of this, and this is what I want to deal with with all of us, there is a heart issue that causes us, and this is the enemy of generosity. We're going to talk about two flavors of what that enemy is, but I want us to look at Scripture, Luke chapter 12. Um, This is a parable Jesus taught, uh, and uh, this is one that I know if you were raised in church, you may know this one, but I really want us to hear what God has to say for all of us here. Facts are facts. Well, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We live in an age of abundance. In America, we live in abundance. And I see it everywhere I go, even in my children, that we live in abundance. And we have to have a heart that pleases God with this. This is what we must change. It says this in Luke 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd, Jesus is out teaching and so on, and someone in the crowd says to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, Who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Verse 15, he goes on. He says to this 
person that spoke up. Take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, I want to pause before we get into the parable here. This sets this up. Jesus is out teaching. And someone in the midst of his teaching yells out, Hey, make sure my brother gives me my part of the inheritance. Now, if you attend Grace Fellowship Church and you've been here this past year, does this kind of ring any bells to something we looked at earlier this year, any other parable? You can say it out loud. You have my permission. Anyone? Prodigal son. So this person says, tell my brother to give me my portion of the inheritance. This rings. It's so crazy how it, it sounds a lot like the prodigal son. This pr- indicates that this person who was speaking up, was he the older brother in the family or one of the younger ones? Younger. He's saying, tell my big brother to give me what's due to me. I hear this in my house often. Tell my big brother to give me what's mine. We know that the big brother would be the one that after the parents passed away would be the one in charge of the inheritance. And it was up to them when they decided to give it to the younger siblings. If they were a good big brother, they would give it immediately. But sometimes they held on to it. And it appears that this younger brother who's telling Jesus, hey, can you, can you come on my side, be my ally, so that my big brother will do what he's supposed to be doing? Um, it appears that this younger brother had a heart issue that Jesus was aware of because he says, life is not found in an abundance of possessions. It's not found in an abundance of possessions. There's something in your heart that is wrong. He says, this isn't really my affair. This is why Jesus says, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? This is not what I do. This is not what I need to get involved in. He does point out that he knew that at the heart of this young man was covetousness. He was coveting What was his, but what his brother had? He wanted this. And there's a reason why. Because in this day and age, to have your inheritance meant he could buy land. And if you had land, you could roll with the high rollers in town. You'd be powerful. You'd be respected. You'd be wealthy. You'd be a rich man. Okay? And so with this in mind... Jesus approaches this and tells this young man a story. Now, one thing I want to talk about here. We could get at the heart issue here. The heart issue, it starts with G and it ends with read, greed. Greed is really at the heart of this young man. He wants it. Yes, it's his, but he's impatient. He wants it now because it's his money, okay? He wants it now. And so he's got greed in his heart. At the heart of greed, and this is for all of you, At the heart of greed is the attitude, I owe myself something. I owe myself something. I am a good person. Or as McDonald's has said for way too many years, you deserve a break today. Man, I work hard. I deserve that Big Mac that's eventually going to end me up in cardiovascular issues. But I owe it to myself to have this. Jesus knew at the heart of this young man was greed. Greed. Verse 16, Jesus begins to tell the story, the parable, something that a lesson was to come out of. If you remember from last week, 11 of 39 parables had something to either do with money or used money as a teaching tool for Jesus. Verse 16, and Jesus tells him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? 
for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Jesus ends with this note for this young man. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I want to go through this passage and point out a few things with this. Jesus tells him this story, says this rich man has a crop that he obviously wasn't expecting. It, it was a great year. And one of the first things you will notice about this man is when this crop comes back, and it's as amazing as it is, the first thing he does is he talks to God, right? Wow, okay. We got to interact today, people. All right. Was he talking to God? Was he talking to his neighbors? Who was he talking to? Himself. He talks to himself twice. This is significant because Luke uses this a lot throughout his book. Whenever a person is talking to themselves, it's always a sign it's a person who's isolated and is not looking at doing community with other people. He did not consult God. He did not consult neighbors. He didn't consult local officials about, man, I have this abundance. What am I supposed to do with this? No. He says, wow, I got to build bigger places to store all this. He didn't try to build temporary things. He didn't try to go and get a, a rental place for him to put all of his abundance. No, for him it made more sense to tear down barns and build bigger ones so he could have all that came from his crop. His heart was greedy. He wanted what he thought he had earned. I owe myself. This is mine. He had no consideration for other people. He obviously lived in isolation and didn't consult or get counsel on what he should do with this. He didn't add temporary storage. And culturally, here's the thing. Culturally, rich people would have their, you know, their house and their land and all of this. On the outskirts of it, 99% of the time were peasants. They would be surrounded by peasants. It's not like this guy was unaware of the needs of people around him. They lived around him. But this rich man thought, you know what? Who cares about them? This is all mine. I did the work. It was my labor. It was my money that went into this. This is all for me. Man, what a great year for me. Rah, rah, rah. The man was consumed with himself. And he doesn't get this counsel. Uh, and it says that, you know, after he's come up with this master plan, I'm just going to build bigger barns. And then I'm going to say to myself, soul, you have ample goods. You've got enough laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Now, there are some people, just so you know, who actually take this as a passage of Scripture that can be used to refute the idea of retirement. So retired people... I need you to repent today, uh, and it's time to go put out some applications. I'm kidding. I don't believe that that's what this is getting at. I believe the heart of this man was what was in question. It's not about being unwise and giving away all you have. I don't think there's anything wrong with being responsible in retirement. 
there is something to be said here that this man was fine. But all he wanted to do was sit around, do nothing, eat, drink, be merry, go join a pickleball group and play pickleball the rest of your retirement. This man was thinking about himself. And that's all he cared about. And it says that God calls him something. What does God say and call him? You can say this with passion. What did he call him? Fool. Fool, exactly. You fool. Now, fool was a word that was used in the New Testament oftentimes indicates somebody who was actively not living in accordance to what God wanted. He had no regard for God. And we see that because this man never consulted with God in this story. He only consulted with himself. And whenever we are our own best counsel, that's a problem. The fool was guilty of not acknowledging God's own blessing on his life. He could have said, God, man, thank you for this crop. What do you want me to do with it? But he did not. He could have said to the peasants living around, hey, what do you want me to do with this? Do you have any needs? Let me meet this. No. Instead, he wanted to keep it for himself. His greed was sticky. And ultimately, here's the thing. Greed, money, possessions, time, these things that we have that are of value is sticky. And the more we hold on to it, the problematic, or it becomes a problem. Uh, I have this morning flypaper. Anyone uh, use flypaper still in their house? We do. I don't know why, but I love this stuff. Uh, except when I accidentally touch flypaper. Okay? I love flypaper, and my flies love flypaper most of the time. Uh, but if you've ever touched flypaper, I'm going to regret this later. I already told my prayer people this morning I was probably going to do this. Here's the thing. I, I just touched it. Okay, no problem. No problem. So let's say this is money or your time. No problem. Oh, well, okay. Oh, it almost got me. Almost got me. But the more we begin to hold on to our stuff, our time, and we become more... Uh, dependent upon it, and we start to clutch onto it tighter. Now it starts to become a problem. Sorry, babe. Uh, if my hand sticks to you today, I'm sorry. Uh, so um, it becomes a problem. It gets a little bit harder to let go of. And the more we hold on to our time, I have earned this. This is mine. Nothing else. No one else deserves this. They don't need it. They should do it themselves. Look at them. Get a job. Work as hard as I did. It becomes stickier and stickier and stickier. And it makes your sermon interesting <laughs> as to how you're going to go on with this. And yet this is a picture of how we sometimes hold on to stuff. And it takes hold of us. The more we go hold on to it and the tighter we hold on to it, we think we're in control. We talked about this last week. We think we're in control, but ultimately, ultimately you become a slave to your stuff. You become a slave to it. You serve it, not the other way around. This man had become a slave to his stuff. I'll be cleaning off this table. Oh, I know what I can do. Cool. I got this extra piece of paper right here. All right, she's just going to throw it away. Make sure none of the children get it. That's why I married her. So, uh, all right. So, you get the idea. This man, his possessions owned him. He couldn't imagine giving him up. He was not going to give him up. He was serving it. Which leads us to this, two flavors of greed. 
I want to point this out because I see this in this passage and also another passage that we two, three weeks ago just went through that I'm not going to take the time to read today because we just went through this. But as I'm reading through this passage, I'm like, oh, man, it just sticks out. The first way that we see what greed looks like is gluttony. Gluttony. We know what gluttony is. Gluttony is just, you know, people that eat too much. Well, yeah, you know, that, that can be a form of it. But gluttony goes deeper. Luke 12, we see a man who was gluttonous. Did he need all of his extra crops? No. Yet, yet, he thought, this is an advantage for me. God blessed me, and I am going to live in it. I'm going to live in it. It's all mine. Gluttony is motivated. Oh, it's not going to do No, I know. It's going to just tear that stuff up. Thank you, babe. Um, Gluttony is motivated by the high of abundance. Oh, this is so amazing. Look at the raise I just got. My pastor gave us a $10,000 raise, all of us, last week. This is amazing. There's a high with abundance. There's a high with it. You go into Shady Maple, I don't see anybody in there going, well, I really don't know if I should go in here. You know what? I'm just going to have a salad. No. You see people getting soul plates of bacon, and that's just me, okay? There's a high to it. Oh, my goodness, I can have as much as I want, and I can enjoy it all that I want. There's a high with abundance, and the man with this barn, with his crops, has this high of abundance. Look at how good things are for me. He was a glutton. Gluttony's not just food. Gluttony can be time. Nobody gets my time. This is my time. Gluttony can be possessions. Any time that I have this abundance and I keep it for myself, when I just want to live on the high of it and live it to its fullest, and that controls me, this is gluttony. I, I did a little bit of research into this. Some of you grew up in, you know, 50s and before that. To have a gourmet meal, you know, with you got your salad and you've got bread and you've got whatever the meat or the pasta is or whatever it is, to have a gourmet meal was a rare occasion. We live in a day and age with the Food Network and 800 million restaurants that do every cuisine that you could possibly have and they do gourmet and we can gorge on this. We have gourmet meals almost every night. This is how we live now. We are used to gluttony so much that we don't even realize how gluttonous it is. This is why we will binge watch an entire season of a a television show or a movie or whatever it is in one weekend because it's available. My kids do not understand the struggle of going to a blockbuster video on a Friday night to get a new release, and it's not there. And you have to wait three weeks. No, we'll just go on to Netflix. We'll just go on to Disney+. Plus. We'll just go on to all these, and you have hundreds of movies constantly. Abundance, abundance, abundance. And we, and we get upset when we don't have it anymore. You can have any music you want now. You can have almost any book on a digital device. You can download books. You don't even have to go to the library anymore. Abundance, abundance, abundance. It's a high to it. Man, I'm in control. I can have anything I want. I can. When I think of it, when I know I have something I need to buy and I don't feel like going out or maybe it's late at night, all I have to do is go on Amazon and then my front porch looks like this. 
Argel, we need to talk about this with your front door. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but think about this. They've talked about it. You know, I am not really big into environmental stuff, but I do understand some of the concern people are having even with Amazon with how many trips that these delivery things are going out and delivering all this and all the cardboard that it's creating and all this stuff. And this isn't a rant about that, but do you get an idea about the abundance and why we got to 10 to 40,000 things in our home? Man, I need a necktie with a chihuahua on it. I wonder if Amazon has that. <laughs> abundance, gluttony. Do we really, at the end of the day, really need this stuff? The man did not need what he had, yet he held on to it. I saw another pastor who had this quote about all this. Those whose eagerness to store up material goods outpaces their willingness to give will eventually suffer a complete and total loss when their time runs out. At the very end of it, God says to the man, you're a fool. Your life will be taken from you tonight. You're gone. Then who's going to get it? And Jesus makes the point, you know what? This is the same thing for those that lay up treasures for himself, or you could say, tying into last week, treasures on earth, temporary things that can go away tomorrow instead of being rich towards God or investing in eternal matters, which we talked about last week. The second flavor of greed is this, scarcity mindset. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier. A scarcity mindset where uh, scarcity mindset is motivated by the fear of loss or limits. Some of us have had scary times in our life. I mentioned mine last, year, uh, last week where I got down to 100 bucks in my bank account because I was living like a fool with my money. And I got down to 100 bucks left and I still had bills rolling in and I went into panic mode. Some of you have been there. Some of you have had to depend on help from other people because you couldn't provide. And what can happen with people like that with me is this is why I have such a hard time dipping into my savings account because there is this, this worry in me that, oh my goodness, it's gonna happen again. And so what we do is we binge and we become greedy for more and more and more so we can prevent that scare that we had in our time before. It's a scarcity mindset when we're terrified. This is what leads in extreme cases to hoarding. Last year, uh, when we were on a mission trip in New York City, uh, we had uh, our, I had my first exposure to a hoarder. Um, and I snapped a picture. This isn't to demean this, this individual. Uh, this was a three-bedroom apartment that we got to go into. Every room in the house was filled to the ceiling with stuff. Now, I don't do this to embarrass this person. I want to point out something about them. As we dealt with this individual, and we were trying to help clear this out because they were about to lose this apartment because of all the junk that was in there. Whenever you would pull a VHS tape of whatever, a Mickey Mouse cartoon, and you would say, hey, how about we throw this one out? Oh, uh, you know what? No, I was thinking about my neighbor. I was going to give that to them. So put that off to the side. Okay. What about this broken uh, toilet seat for a kid? No, you know what? I can glue that together, and I'll give it to somebody else. Everything that you brought up, there was an excuse as to why it had to be held on to. And this is that scarcity mindset. This is where I might lose it. I can't risk losing everything. And so I'll hold on to everything. Greed can look two different ways. 
But at the heart of it is a desire for stuff rather than giving away and being generous. So is there a cure for it? I want to make this point this morning that I believe that generous people live off of enough. And I say this even in my own life that I need to get back to finding what is enough in my life. What do I really need to survive? What do I really need to survive? What do I need to get by? What do I have that I don't necessarily need to have that I can get rid of? Time? Do I have talents I can give away? Do I have treasure I can give away? What can I give out? If we're going to be generous people as a church, we have to get back to living off of enough. You may say, well, Dan, is there any scripture passage that, that brings up this idea of enough instead of Jesus, you know, didn't condemn a person for being rich. But I think that through my study this past week, I see this more times than I think about. I'm going to give you one example, and I'll give you a few others that you can write down and look up later. Uh, David, in Psalm 30, verse 7 through 9. Whoops, let's see. Is it uh, Proverbs or Psalms here? Uh, next verse, I had Proverbs. Okay, uh, Proverbs 30, 7 through 8. Uh, and we'll read verse 9 here in a second. It says this. Two things I ask of you, God. Don't deny them before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. There's another phrase for this in some of your versions. Daily bread. Hmm. I know that from some other place. Lest I be full. Here's why. Don't let me be poor. Don't let me be rich. Let me be right in the enough category. Lest I be full, I have all I want, and deny you, I don't need God. Look at me. Got houses, got money. We're good. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and be so motivated that I steal and profane the name of the Lord my God. Man, I read this verse and I was like, holy cow. That encapsulates it all. That we should live off of enough. Enough. Possessions will tempt you to get away from being generous. It will fool you as an illusion to say, well, this may run out, so you need to hold on to it as much as possible. It may fool you into justifying Everything, just like I talked about with uh, the, uh, the individual who was a hoarder, it may tempt you to say and justify every extreme that we have in our life of greed. We can. We can always find an excuse for why we have what we have. But we need to live on enough that God is meeting our needs. A couple other verses that you can write down, those of you who want to look this up. Uh, Exodus 16, 4 through 5, and actually that whole chapter. Exodus 16, 4 through 5, I'm not going to have it here on the screen, but if you've read your Bible, you'll be familiar with this. In Exodus, you have uh, the children of Israel, and God provides a food for them. What is that food? Manna, yeah, manna, what is it? Uh, that's what basically it means. Manna, here's the interesting thing that God gives him instructions. He says, I want you to collect manna in the morning, okay? But if you collect too much, what happens to it? It molds, it rots. God was teaching something there. Take what you need. The greedy mindset will take more than what is needed. The gluttonous or the scarcity, it may not be there tomorrow. 
will take in too much. Exodus 16, uh, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 104, uh, 24 to 28 also gives us this idea that God provides what we need. What we need. The Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Not weekly bread. Okay, not monthly or annually. Now we like it when God blesses us with that. But God gives us what we need. Am I living off of enough? I talked about last week. The more that we have in our life, man, the more it complicates things. To quote an old song from the 1990s, Mo Money, More Problems. More money, more problems. You think if I just have more money, everything goes away. No, it actually adds a lot more stress in your life. I have 10 to 20,000 things I have to watch over in my house compared to 1,000, okay? Everyone is going to have a, possibly a different level of enough depending on how you're living your life. Everyone is going to have an opinion as well as to what your enough should be. Well, I saw the kind of car that Pastor Dan drove into. It's a 2008 Toyota Camry. Seems to me if he's a modest pastor, he should have at least a 1999 one. Everyone's going to have an opinion about enough, about you. That's between you and the Lord to work out what is enough. And I'm not saying live day by day and, you know, be crazy. But I am saying this. Let's check our hearts about what we have. Are we falling like the rich man to greed and justifying it for whatever reason, whether it be gluttony, whether it be a scarcity mindset. I said that we are going to have the same challenge this whole month, and so the challenge this morning is nothing different than it wasn't last week because I'm drilling this into our hearts and into our heads that we want to be generous individually, but we as a church also want to be generous. This is not all about uh, put more money in the offering for whatever purpose, That's between you and the Lord. We encourage everybody here to give as you are able and give what the Lord lays on your heart. But there is more as well with time. It's very easy to be selfish with time. It's very easy to be selfish with your talents and what God has given you as abilities that you could be using with other people. All of these are our tendencies of being greedy and not generous. This month, we want to work on being the person others are thankful for. If this means that you need to look at a budget, you need to look at your calendar and how you're spending your time and begin to think about how you begin to create excess to bless other people, then do so. How can you be used by God? How can you make yourself available? You may find yourself, I don't know, less anxious because you're doing less. One thing we're trying to drill in the hearts of our kids is you don't have to do everything just because somebody threw an invite at you or wants you to join this or that. We want them to find this even balance. And, I, I, you know, it's our prayer it works off that there are people that are less stressed because they're not doing 80 things. They're just doing a few and enjoying that and finding simplicity in it. How do we create the excess? How do we lessen our stress so that we can bless other people this month For all of us, we truly need to seek the Lord on this. And I I do hope that uh, even students, uh, kids in here today that are still in school, you are being raised in a generation who has abundance, tons of stuff. 
you can have games that you download onto your Nintendo Switch like that. You have a comfortable life that you live here. And there are many in the world who do not have that. And you can either become more greedy and want more and more and more of that and beg your parents for more and more of it and throw a fit when you don't get it. Or you can learn to live a simple life now and be totally the opposite of what you see around you. I can assure you this, you'll have a less stressful life because you don't need to do everything. You just need to do enough. You just need to have enough. So let's have a word of prayer and we're gonna wrap up this morning. God, uh, even as you, again, remind me of this in my own life, I don't stand up here perfect. There are times that you've had to show me uh, times of greed and times of of gluttony and times of living too far in and when I could be blessing other people. God, as we look at our time, as we look at our possessions, as we look at our gifts and abilities that we can use to help other people, I ask that there is no one in here that walks out of here and just doesn't care. And just by tonight, they've totally forgotten this. Lord, help make change in us that we would be the generous people that you want, that we would begin to invest in eternal investments into lives, into our neighbors, into the church, into ministries around us. God, don't let us be greedy and somehow try to excuse it away and come up with excuses as to why this is so important. God, may people know this church and the individuals in it It's people that will give the shirt off their back if necessary, that they will go the extra mile, that they just live on enough. And God, you will be faithful. In Matthew 6, we have no reason to worry because you talked about seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, and you will add what we need in those times. Make us a generous church. Make us the countercultural church answer to what we see of abundance in Lancaster County and in our country. And so we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer requests into prayer at gfchurch.net and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.